Bunsen. Dolly. Internal. Why do we need? Petri. Oscar. Isaac. Transplanting. Nick. Hello, Steve. <laughs> Eleanor. Hi there. How you doing? Look, great. Having a good time. Welcome to the shed. Back in the shed. Welcome, listeners. Hope you're all doing great out there. It's a really nice day outside. It's the tail end of the summer. It's the dog days. It's probably the winter when the, when the, the listeners are listening to this now. I know, but I don't care about the listeners, uh, okay. do I, Steve? I care about, I care about myself. Okay. And outside the window is a blue sky. It's a lovely yeah. autumnal day. I don't want to call it autumnal. It's, it's def- tail end of the summer day. It's definitely autumnal. Really? Like, all the leaves are changing. Well, There's not really. That tree out there is totally green. Maybe the horse chestnuts. Have you noticed that horse chestnuts trees drop their leaves a lot sooner than any I other haven't. Trees? Is that science or is that just Nick? I think that they're non-native and there are certain trees that have different cycles in the year to maximise. non-native? They're not native to the UK, horse chestnuts. So people haven't been playing conkers for hundreds of years? No, I think they were introduced probably in the Middle Ages, something like that. From where? Good question. I mean, I haven't researched this before we came <laughs> on the show, but I know that they're not they're non-native, and they have they drop their leaves sooner, and I think they develop they they their leaves on sooner. So obviously, there's a competitive advantage to not competing with other deciduous trees in so the they, forest. Of course, yeah. So they go so earlier. They go earlier. They go go earlier and harder. Right. So and yeah. also, so schoolboys can play conkers, which you can't play anymore, apparently. Friend oh well, I help them safety go mad. Yeah, a friend of mine's got a son, and he's not allowed to play conkers. I, I haven't seen it. anyone. I mean, they're now the, the thing is these days they're just lying around on the floor. Pe- but they always look Ch- really children or conkers. <laughs> 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 but they do kind of look to me when I look at a conker. It looks like an intrinsically valuable item. Like there's a twenty pound note lying on the floor. So you get that little thing, feeling at the back of your. I just want to collect them all and put them in a shoebox. Right. I, I think mean, they look doesn't? tasty. Do you think so? Yeah, I'd kind of want to eat them. Yeah, it's not that's, a good idea to That's eat my them. dog, protecting the homestead. Oh yeah, we forgot to podcast. say the dog's in the shed too. The dog's in the shed. Ripley. Ripley the dog. Anyway, so yeah, you can't eat horse chestnuts, of course, because no. they kill you. Sweet <laughs> chestnuts, on the other hand, delicious. Mm, Especially roasting on an open fire. <laughs> Very nice. Anyway, uh, episode two of yeah, the third season oh, of, my uh, goodness. of the Science Show. It's taken a while to get to episode two, oh, hasn't it? It's taken ages. <laughs> it's so exhausting, Nick. <laughs> Anyway, yes, we're here. You're here. Um, what have you been up to? Um, not a lot. No. I've been on my holidays. Where'd you go? I went to Italy. Yeah. And then I went to Sweden. How about you, you Eleanor? What have you been up to? I've also been on holiday. Have you really? Yes. Uh, I went to Scotland. Uh, we oh, went nice. to Where the about? Edinburgh Fringe. Nice. Which I've always wanted to go to. Yeah. So it was fantastic. I, I just was not prepared for the scale of it. It's pretty, like, imp- it's pretty nuts. Two million thing. extra people in the city Is that right? for a month or something. Right. Like the population triples yeah. and they're just all on the Royal Mile. Yeah. And it's it's just a nightmare Did to get anywhere. you go to lots of funny shows? Yeah, lots yeah. Lots of funny shows? Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of uh, awkward sort of small venues where... Yeah where comedians were sort of struggling to keep people interested. But right. um, I laughed very loudly in all of them just sort of <laughs> to provide moral support. So if I'm That's laughing during this, you know it's... Uh, uh, right, yeah, so that we're not funny. Fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We used to... Yeah, fantastic. You, Steve? Uh, you don't I'm, do holidays, do No, you? I just got back... Well, I'm You climb I'm in a tea box a with some old bits of newspaper. I've been quite sort of stressful because I had ball. a big grant interview um, last week. Oh, yeah. But um, I'm going to talk to you about that in a... In a, in a dedicated segment okay well let's get on with that sort of stuff then let's go
to the past. Pulled any money, got some pulled in your glass. I didn't have the energy to game of thrones, but still I had some fun to shit like telephone. <laughs> Steven. I've got a history corner. History oh, corner. Lovely. Right. I want to take you back to 1969. Um, People are landing on the moon. They are. Um, uh, Led Zeppelin. Did they the, release this, Led Zeppelin this whole This whole story is about nerddom and people being interested in how things work and using them in a different way to which they're intended. And, you know, those real kind of hardcore scientists that I love so deeply that you yeah. must have some kind of more mature colleagues that just, they love, they, and they know how some one thing, how every aspect of it works, no matter how you approach it from different sides, they knew about all of the technologies that are out of date and how they're better. You know, all those people that yeah, are yeah. just so interesting. Geeks. Geeks, nerds. Right. I want to talk about, have you ever heard the term... Uh, someone is a steely-eyed missile man. A what? A steely-eyed missile man. I don't know why that rings yeah. a vague bell it... in the back of my mind, but I don't know why. Well, is I'm it gonna from a tell film? You. It is in a film, but it's not from a film. Right. It's in The Martian. Oh, right. Okay. right. Um, oh, so I've seen The Martian, but I'm sure I don't okay. remember it from there. So the origin of this is the, the person who is the steely-eyed missile man is a gentleman called John Aaron. So John Aaron worked for NASA. In the, 60, in the late 60s. He was involved in a lot of the missions, but predominantly with what he's famous for is the Apollo 12. So Apollo 12 is us, you know, if you remember, it's our, uh, it's Apollo 11 was the was the moon landing, Apollo 13 is the big mistake. But there was also a, a kind of a, an avoided mistake that John Aaron was um, responsible for. Um, so that there were three astronauts going to the moon for the second time. It was Peter Conrad, Dick Gordon, and Alan Bean. They're all headed for the moon, right? right. You know, they had their big lift off, the Saturn V rocket. They're off to go, right? Yeah, yeah, I can see them all sitting there side by side, the exactly. three of them in their, chugging away. In their, in their suits. Yeah. And then it cuts back to, you know, mission control. You know yeah. what I mean? With everyone, everyone kind of is kind of dressed the same in those kind of short, yeah, 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 yeah. short T-shirts with the same glasses. Burns. Exactly, right? Yeah. So John Aaron was what's called, uh, he, was the, he was in control of what's called Electrical Environmental Systems or ECOM. Right. right. And... Um, at the time, so this is great. This is such a good story, right? So at the time, Jerry Griffin was the launch director. He's the person in charge of it all, right? So they lift off like five, four, three, two, one, off they go. 35 seconds into takeoff, all of the people are looking at their computer screens, right? All of the telemetry streaming back from the spacecraft and the Saturn V just goes, just goes completely haywire. Oh, Everything no. breaks, right? Oh, no. So the electrical that system could have been in Apollo the... 13 won Apollo early. Yeah, so, so apparently... Um, so this guy, this guy called Jerry Griffin said, all the data went away and there was just static in his headset. Imagine that, right? You were in charge of this. This is his first time he'd ever been in charge of a space mission. 30 seconds in, everything's broken, right? Just panic sets You'd have in. to have a cool head, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, actually, what's really cool is you can hear the telemetry for this, right? Of how cool they all are. They're like, okay, something's clearly catastrophic failure. Let's just deal with it. So the electrical systems are knocked out of the system, right? And they've got a backup battery system that, that that kicks in yeah which only, can only last for two hours right oh my so God. so think about it you've got this rocket bring them home off. bring the boys home <laughs> so um so alan bean at the time said there's a quote he said he said more lights came on the panel than i've ever seen in the simulator ever it's like chernobyl exactly he's like oh my god what's going on right <laughs> mission control has this 
decision like do we do a launch abort right and a launch abort at that altitude oh i thought the launch had started no it had 35 seconds in it was in the air oh, they right they can't abort it then no well they can't they can't go to the ah. moon if the electrics don't work no, no, and no, it'll no, run no. out can't of abort the launch because it's already happened well it's okay but but they can but they can so the, what that abort would involve the, thing, the whole what thing. they involved would ejecting the spaceship and blowing up the saturn five Right, that's their that's their system. That's what they do. What about in the event all of the lo- people sitting inside it? No, no, there's three people, and the, the spaceship would be ejected. Oh, I see. The little thing on the top, yeah, parachutes goes, down and parachutes out, and they and blow up the Saturn V. Right. Whoa, that, so that's the option. Right. Thirty five seconds. I would have just gone for the blowing up. <laughs> I would just so, blow it up. <laughs> so it cuts. So it cuts down to, to so John Aaron's there. Right, and he's and he's the nerd. In his right? He's the jumper. nerds, nerds. In his Aaron jumper with his with his little glasses, his glasses and his yeah. and his uh, uh, short sleeve white shirt. And he looks at that the kind of patterns that are on the screen, and it's not completely gone. Is it it's like, like the a Matrix? weird, a bit, a bit. They showed you a picture. It looks a bit like the Matrix. I'll show you. And he goes, "Hang on a second. I remember when I was dicking about last year. It's a year privacy, and he and he'd seen something similar, right? So he said. So this is a quote from him. He said, "I'd seen that pattern before." Um, and so the Saturn V engines now they're burning, but the um, the command module is barely alive, right? So everyone thinks, "Okay, we're going to have to abort." John Aaron, in a moment moment of brilliance, says over the comm, he's like, he says these famous these famous words, it's SCE to AUKS, right? Which is, and everyone's like, what? Including, which stands for That's SCE. That's when you've got a tape player and you plug it in the back of the auxiliary. Aux, yeah. So SCE is Signal Condition Electronics to AUKS, right? Uh, auxiliary. So, so Alan Bean, and you can, rec- you can hear this because it's all recorded, he sits back and says, what's that? So imagine this, right? Your spaceship, you might have to blow it up. Yeah, yeah. And someone says this like random SC comment. <laughs> and he's just yeah. like, and he's like SC talks. <laughs> and there's probably some dude somewhere going, okay, SC talks. <laughs> so he says, you know, SCE talks. And um, so Alan Bean says, what's that? And they, and they like, he doesn't know. And because, just because John Aaron had like been playing around with all the electronics, all of the things he doesn't really need to know for his job, but he kind of did it anyway. He'd seen this pattern before. And this is a kind of, this SC to auxiliary is essentially just, it's, it's, a ran, it's an unknown switch that happened to be over the right shoulder of Alan Bean, who'd kind of roughly know where it is. They don't ever use it, rarely, rarely use A bit of a kind of ghost in the machine. No one really knew why it was there. It's that funny one on the keyboard on the <laughs> exactly. top with the light. So anyway, he reaches over, clicks it, Everything turns back on again. What All the telemetry to comes back, what right? Happened? And he says, and 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 then what's amazing is you can hear that I'll, I will get the I'll get the um, voiceover and I'll put it in the podcast. But all that happens is that um, the astronauts come back over and go, "Okay, flight seems good." We got it back. Flight looks good. Okay. Right. <laughs> And they just carried on, and they went to the fucking moon, right? And like, it's this obscure switch that wasn't designed to do this. But actually, what they found out when it came back is it had undergone, um, it had been hit by lightning during the takeoff. No way. Yeah, and that had knocked out the main systems electronics, right? Um, and anyway, like Pete Conrad, who's the who's the mission commander of Apollo Twelve. Apparently, he said he broke out into laughter. Like he couldn't understand how they just knew about this random button, which is like, you know, the control alt delete of the mission command electronics. And he said he laughed all the way into orbit. <laughs> <laughs> and from oh, then dude. on, from then on, Aaron came down, and, and the lasting respect of his colleagues, they say that he was he was declared a steely-eyed missile. That man. is an amazing Isn't story. It <laughs> Isn't it good? Hang on a minute. 
Why steely-eyed missile man? I don't know. They what don't does that know. Mean? But now it's a kind of term of endearment. So if you're if you use that term steely-eyed missile man, it means you're <coughs> on it. You know your <coughs> shit, right? right? Which is why they used it in uh, in in the Martian. Oh, but it's all from John Aaron. Mission, missile, missile, missile man. Missile man. A steely-eyed missile man. Steely-eyed missile man. Okay. Isn't it good? I remember that one. Nick. Stephen. So I had to go to Brussels last week. Oh, did for you? For a really big Grant interview. Oh. It was really miserable. They were, was so, they were so mean to me, Nick. <laughs> but you've like, got to go through this uh, thing, haven't you? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I wanted to talk to you about it. So, yeah. So the, I'm, I, was, I put forward this grant to the European Research Council, trying to get as much money out of Europe before our glorious leader, Boris, uh, um, leave, makes us leave. Um, and put together this uh, synergy, it was called a synergy grant. So the point of it is you take more than one uh, scientist, people from different disciplines, and you bring them together and you have an idea and you write a big proposal. And that so it's bullshit, basically. Uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, I've been preparing for it for like two months, you know, right. trying to get like data done for it. And, like, oh my God, all two months? Course. Yeah, it's been oh pretty intense. Heck. And we've had like, more <laughs> you'd like it, right? So we, we did a... Uh, uh, a mock interview at um, an institution that one of the, my um, uh, co-applicants is part of. And uh, it we had two back-to-back interviews, right? And I don't know if you've ever done a mock interview. So, that you know, they're trying to help, but they do that by pulling apart your scientific yeah. proposal, yeah. Right? which is incredibly useful. And you Better get to, there than later on, isn't well, it? That's exactly the argument, you know? And, and you do it... So even though they c- they can be quite aggressive in, in the interview, they afterwards they have all friends and smiles and say, oh, you answered that well or you answered yeah, that yeah. badly. Sure. But anyway, imagine this, right? So what you do is you sit there and then like 20 people come in, all very, you know, esteemed... 20, in, 20 people 20 in a mock people. interview? Yeah, right. They well, how have they managed to get all the people together at the same time? I don't know, but they did. Anyway, they came in, and then we had two hours of this. This is what. This is why you're wrong. This is why your slides are bad. This is why your proposal will never work. This is why your science is like. Why did you even bother to be born? You've just a complete waste of space. And then you're exhausted. You do that for like an hour and a bit, and then they wheel out them, and then a whole fresh base, face bunch comes in and does it again. So it's like five hours of being told you're useless. <laughs> so you, had a, you had an interview for five hours? Well, because well, there was two back-to-back interviews, um, you know, uh, mock interviews. Why did you have two back-to-back interviews? Because they organised it for us. So we had like, so we so we did one and then... Had you know, they read the proposal? Some of them had. 40-odd people? Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was exhausting. And then we went to, and then we, so we got on the train, we like worked on the train... Uh, Who you know, were you all going then? All of we you. We all have to go. Yeah, right. and so it's a, it's a very big grant. It's over over ten million euros. We got ten minute p- pitch. You got ten minute pitch, and four people have got to speak. So right. I had two minutes, two and a half minutes to do my three slides. You know, which I worked out was about ten thousand pounds per word I was asking for. <laughs> right, um, and so you practice. So so you can't say um and uh and all that kind of stuff that we normally do right. because each one of those, you know, it's, it's time wasted when you could be, you know, making a point or being emphatic or, or 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 communicating some more science. And what was really interesting about the whole thing is that by the end, after all of these interviews and all of these. Uh, uh, these mocks, there was almost no science in it. <laughs> really? It was like because because it's one of these collaborative projects. The whole point of them is they have to be ambitious. And one of the key questions they ask is they say, "Why should we fund this together rather than four separate individual grants?" Yeah, yeah. Um, and so because of that, um, what that means is that no one in the world is qualified to review these types of grants because if you if they were, the grants not ambitious enough. Because the whole point of it is you have to be able to, you can't do it on your own. You have to collaborate with these other people. So 
so basically that means is that you know there were people on the panel that uh that aren't you know physical scientists there is a social anthropologist on the panel there's a plant biologist on the panel and you know not to say there's anything wrong with being that but it's just you know you, they're well, not normally social anthropologist because it's that panel. broad the panel has to be has to be able to they don't even assemble the panel until they see the types of proposals that are actually there um and so it's just you know it was um it's just ex- it's just exhausting. So it, do, they, do people not review the grant then? They do review it, but they can only review a bit of it. Because the point is, that if they could review the whole thing, then the then the grant wouldn't be ambitious enough. But do they have like people they send it to? They to send review it. To, it you get about get you get ten report. reviews. Yeah, at least right. ten people have read it and right. and commented on the bit that they they're qualified to. Are they paying these people? Don't think so. To review them? Don't think so. How do they get ten people then? Don't. It takes a whole year. We po- we we submitted it in November. Last year, and this is a European thing. This is a European. You thing. know, I'm becoming more Brexity, Steve. <laughs> no, I definitely am becoming a bit more Brexity. Why? I just beca- I don't want to have a political discussion <laughs> on our podcast. You made me do this once about strikes. <laughs> let's do it now. <laughs> no, no, let's not. Anyway, but um, but yeah, it seems a lot of effort to go to, and te- I mean, ten huge... million. 10 million obviously is a lot, but it's for huge. four academics it's over six years. Yeah, it's not too much. It's no, yeah. it's not. And I just feel like, it's what's the point in having an interview for it? Do you know what I mean? You either well, it's really, t- and so you walk in, right? I give you things. You walk in. They're all, you know. And so one of the things is all about the synergy. So how you work together as a team. At the end, we were doing stuff like videoing it. So like, and we were watching about the video, saying, do do we look like a team? Are we looking each other in the eyes enough? Can we? Are we nodding when they're? Are you working know? in the same place? Uh, one one of the four, I am. Yes, one of them. But the other Cambridge. two are somewhere else. Yeah, they're in London. Right. Okay. Um. But um, so you know, you know, really, really worked on it. You know, people apparently come in, they come in kind of coordinated in what they're wearing and all this kind of stuff, right? Because it's a pitch; it's much more like a pitch to a business than it is to a kind of scientific evaluation, right? Because you've only got ten minutes, and uh, yes, you walk in, and then they just they just mean mean at you. It was just so mean. So how many questions? Did you Super get aggressive. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you an example, right? So try and explain something to me, and I'll, I'll give you the style that I got when we were in Brussels. Try and explain something to you. Anything you like. Tell me about something. Okay. Um, during um, fertilization, a what, what, sperm fuses what, with an egg. What's a sperm? A sperm. You're taking too long. Ask the next thing. What's an egg? S- I don't really care anymore. So tell me about the next thing. <laughs> They're like that for, for 45 minutes with four of us. It was just, it was, oh my God. It was really miserable. We walked out and, you know, we just felt absolutely exhausted afterwards i don't get um, the point it just seems a bit ridiculous to me the whole thing well they've got to evaluate it they've got to put it apart they're not right? really evaluating it though by no, the they're just being mean yeah i mean you read the you read the grant carefully and that's where you evaluate it don't you well they they will have reviewers i mean comments if you've got if you've got a rebuttal you you just focus on what the reviewers you know like you'd pick in 45 minutes you might pick four or five minutes, yeah. points which you as a panel considered to be the most salient points and ask you to rebut them and then argue they, on they those. did and even at one point one of my colleagues was said okay this is a slightly nuanced point so you have to give me 30 seconds to explain the background of this and then she started doing it and she just cut off 10 seconds in <laughs> so you're just like oh so they either they either hate it like really hate it or actually they thought it was competitive and they really wanted to evaluate it but either way i'll find out in a week well good um, luck i hope you get it steve thanks nick because you can give me some of the money <laughs> This is Postdoc Soapbox. It's coffee time. The cafe in my institute charges me 30 cents extra to get a takeaway coffee in my own goddamn mug. 
And that's on top of the 80 cents they charge for my oat milk. Um, so in my previous place um, where I worked as a postdoc, um, there was a cafeteria downstairs and they had free filtered coffee available for anyone. Um, but the quality of that coffee was so bad that I would every day walk past the cafeteria up two flights of stairs where the hot water machine was and make my own French press from the beans that I brought myself. Um, that's how bad the quality of the, the cafeteria free coffee was. People that routinely get a coffee from the same cafe on their daily commute that don't have a keep cup are fucking scum. Like seriously, who you hate more? Yourself or the planet? I actually had to give up coffee for a bit because I thought it was giving me stomach issues. Well, it turns out that was just sort of lack of sleep and stress. I'm still stressed, but at least I can have caffeine now. Post-ups complaining about coffee. First off, I say stop whining and get back to work. That's the first thing I have to say as a PI. What do you have to say about that? Fucking like... snowflakes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Drink tea. So famously, uh, there's a um, the LMB at Cambridge, the Laboratory for Medical Biology, which has won more Nobel prizes than any other place on the planet. They uh, they've famously they they say that a lot of their success is ascribed to the to the tea room by academics because this is why they had to do it. So there was small it was a small uh, coffee room. They only serve coffee at specific times. I forget it's like half ten and half four for half an hour. So everyone had to come. It was a tiny little room, so they all had to sit next to each other. It was free tea and coffee. And when they did that, what, what do academics do when you put them near each other? They talk about science. And that, said that, that sparked off some really good ideas and collaborations and, and a kind of culture to the LMB, which is associated with helping each other out because of the tea room. That's what they said. Yeah. It's because of the tea room. And now they've got a new £250 million building with a beautiful cap, like uh, uh, glass and chrome building. It's got a wonderful coffee um, uh, like tea bar, which is all spaced out. And now no one sits together and no one talks. So I'm sure... DL. So I don't know. There is some. I like the idea, though. I like because everyone keeps themselves themselves in my building because this is a hot water machine. People come down and make their own coffee whenever they like. Yeah. But I like the idea of a routine. Do you know what I mean? We're going so to be serving delicious coffee, <laughs> and you don't have to do anything to so make it at this time every day, like three thirty in the afternoon or yeah. something. Everyone, you know so that that sort of you know that sort of point. When you're not doing anything for the rest of the day. As a PhD student, we used to have coffee at that time. Everyone used to go for coffee, including the faculty and the students. You used to sit next sit next to someone and have a cup of tea and chat to them via lecturers or whatever. Oh, really? It worked brilliantly. We have cake club. Cake club. Once a week on a Thursday. Yeah, someone bakes cake. 10.30 every Thursday. It's the first rule of cake club. You can't talk about cake club. Oh, I just did. But then everyone, but it's a group in the group. Yeah. So there's about, you know, there's like 10, 20 people. I share a cake. It's very nice. In the club. This bit, and that's the bit that makes it glow blue. Oh, sorry, I 
I can't do the fiddy voice. Steve. Nick. Have you ever um, uh, made a typo in the title of a grant application and still been <laughs> awarded it? Uh, no. So I have a good friend, and he works on... Depends on how the typo is. Well, okay. If, if you make, if you I'll make... explain to okay. you now. He's doing a project. He works on um, placentas. Right. And he's got a grant. This is all public information, so um, we can talk about it. He got awarded a grant, which was looking at good comparative, looking at the placentas in different animals. Right. Kind of like a bit of blue sky stuff. Not, we don't know that much about placentas. Right. Very important organ, conserved in mammals, of course. Placenta to all, out to all mammals. Um, well, apart from things like m the the monotremes, yeah. So like kidneys and, and, and the platypus yeah. and things like that. Um, they make milk and eggs. They could make their own custard. <laughs> 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 that oh, we'd have to get a platypus. I mean, could you have a boiled platypus egg? I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, I sorry. bet someone's tried. Anyway. So he had a grant and he was looking at it and he's he's working with a guy who works in um, kind of evolution. Okay. So the process of evolution and things like that. Anyway, the grant was supposed to, I can't remember the exact title of the grant, right. but it was about placentology. That was the word. Mm. The autocorrect corrected it to paleontology. Oh, no. So it said in the grant title, paleontology, tried to correct it. They've so when did they realize? After they submitted it. So they click submit. And they went to the referee titled paleontology rather than placentology. <laughs> but no one noticed and they got eroded the grant anyway. <laughs> so I think the moral of that story is don't, uh, don't obsess about spelling mistakes, even if they totally change the focus <laughs> of your grant. <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations to him. I'm just going to go and uh, write a load of grants with, with, with the wrong words in. <laughs> Shopping down at Silly Solis. He's so loud. <laughs> Hello, who are you? I'm Bruce, oh, mate. Bruce, I remember. Yeah, I've come all the way from Oz, mate. Oh, I don't know, have you ever met Bloody Bruce? love it. He's, he's G'day, really one of my country women here today. I love it. Where, where in Australia are you from, Bruce? Oh, down under, mate. Just, yeah. Out in the bush. Yep. Yeah, you yeah, wouldn't know it. Yeah, I tell. <laughs> Do you know it? Great little <laughs> town, mate. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy the podcast this week, Bruce? Oh, mate. It's been a while since you've heard the podcast. Absolutely bonga. Bonga. <laughs> <laughs> That's the word we use. Well, um, yeah, well, uh, so this is the third season of the, of the Science Show. I don't think we've heard you since the first season, Bruce. But No, mate, it's good to be back. I was on the phone last time, but yeah. I'm, I've come here on my holidays this right. time. What are you doing? What are you doing in the UK? Probably just Ah, just shooting the shit, mate. Yeah, maybe working Sinking a bar. Sinking a few, blowing the heads off a couple, that sort of thing, mate. A couple of VBs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, get on with it. <laughs> you posh bearded wanker. <laughs> oh, just, 
It's all right. It's, all, it's, it's a term of endearment yeah, where I come from. That's true. I it can is. vouch for that. That okay. is, yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's not, not aggressive enough. Um, well, Bruce, if you like the Science Shed, you can follow it on Twitter. You can Bloody follow, love it, mate. You can follow me. I'm yeah. at Steve the Chemist. Yeah. You can follow Nick. He's at the Evans Lab. Great. Eleanor is... At Eleanor. At Eleanor. Or you can just follow the thing on uh, uh, the, the podcast as at the Science Shed. Have you got Twitter, Bruce? Yeah, use a bit of that. Yeah, what's your tweet? Uh, I can't remember, hand. mate. Okay. At BruceOz.com, something <laughs> like that. Okay, I reckon that's probably real. Anyway, um, it's been nice seeing you again. Yeah, mate. See you later. I'm off for a couple of Castlemaine 4X, gobba. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>